Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. These stories contain distressing themes and brief descriptions of violence. This content is not suitable for children, and listener discretion is advised. It was the 28th of October 2016 when police knocked on the door of a five-bedroom cottage in Inverkip, Inverclyde, the small Clyde Coast village, six miles southwest of Greenock, Scotland. The house matched the neighbouring properties almost identically each with second-story attic rooms looking out onto the Firth of Clyde and the rolling hills across the water. They were all fairly grand properties that showed the wearing of time, but this house was different. It was dilapidated, neglected even, and when the owners opened the door to the authorities, it would reveal a house jam-packed with furniture, boxes and things not thrown away for decades. Even though there were three people registered as living at the address, only two living room chairs were found facing the TV. My name's Benjamin Fitton from They Walk Among Us. Welcome to Murder Town, the podcast. Following each episode of Crime and Investigation's True Crime TV series, we'll explore another case right here. Greeted by the homeowners, Edward Kearney and Avril Jones, police were there to check up on a 36-year-old woman, Margaret Fleming. Edward and Avril weren't her parents, but they had been her carers since she was 19 years old. Margaret had always been on disability benefits, but the agency had alerted authorities when Avril had filled in recent paperwork. They had attempted to locate Margaret because her disability living allowance was being replaced by a personal independence payment and the changeover required an in-person assessment. Avril had filled in the forms and some of the information she had given seemed off. So when the police called by, the couple said that Margaret must have run out the back door when they knocked. After all, they claimed, she was frightened of authority. The police, however, had officers stationed at the back of the house. They knew full well Margaret had not escaped, and Edward argued she must have run straight through them. The house had so much junk and clutter that the officers had to clear their own path just to get in. 
Boxes and equipment lined the hallways, and it didn't appear that the house had been cleaned in years. And with all the dog hair and dog feces, the smell was strong. When they eventually made their way up the stairs to Margaret's attic bedroom, they found the walls of the room had been knocked down. The carpet had been ripped up and there was no bed. There was not one thing that indicated Margaret lived at the house. After a search of the property and garden, they found no trace of Margaret. In fact, it seemed like the couple lived alone. That day, Margaret was reported missing. She was described as 36 years of age, 5 foot 5 inches tall, collar-length black hair and with a heavy build. Margaret was known to have severe learning disabilities and was not able to care for herself. The welfare report said a benefits investigator had visited the property in 2012, over 12 years after Margaret moved in, and he was told by Avril that they wouldn't see Margaret. Someone from the agency was supposed to follow up, but they never did. Margaret, an only child, was brought up just 20 minutes away from Inverkip in Port Glasgow. Her parents Derek and Margaret divorced when she was 12, and by then it was already clear that young Margaret faced some serious learning challenges. She struggled with reading and writing, and needed additional support through school. She was heavily encouraged by teachers, even though she struggled so much, and although she began acting out at home, she was described as quiet and even withdrawn at school. After the divorce, she went to live with her father and his parents, where she became more isolated. She argued a great deal with her grandparents, but remained extremely close to her father. He sheltered her so much so that when he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, he didn't tell her. As her father was dying, Margaret's mother took her to a social worker unable to deal with her acting out in increasingly aggressive behaviour. According to later court testimony, part of the referral that day read, quote, Margaret does not know why her father is in hospital and is afraid it is something serious. It also made a point that she was living in a constant state of uncertainty and ill health. When her father died, she was devastated, and her mother couldn't handle her. At Margaret's father's funeral, Edward Kearney, who had known her father, introduced himself to Margaret's mother and offered to help out with caring for her. At first, Margaret would stay with Edward Kearney and Avril Jones at their home in Inverkip, ten miles southwest along the Clyde coast, for a couple of weeks at a time. Through 1996, she was staying with them more and more, as her mother and grandparents found it increasingly difficult to care for her properly. Margaret had tried to attend a local college, and she never had a job. She spent nearly all her time indoors. In 1997, Margaret went to live with Edward and Avril full-time. At that point, they became her carers, and would soon manage Margaret's disability benefits which would be deposited into Avril Jones' account. 
19 years later, when police were at the secluded property door asking to speak with her, Margaret's benefits had been paid uninterrupted into Avril's account for almost two decades. The strange thing was, however, during that time, no one from the agency had actually spoken to Margaret. In 2012, the benefits investigator had visited the property and was told they wouldn't be able to see her. The investigator who noted the property as, quote, totally chaotic, requested that a duty social worker should follow up the case with a visit, but the arrangement fell through the cracks until this point, four years later when the change in benefits scheme had flagged Margaret as needing to be personally assessed. The police knew something was very wrong. The couple didn't seem at all concerned that a woman in their care, with learning difficulties on disability benefits, was apparently missing, and they were being evasive. When officers asked for a recent photo of Margaret, the couple were not able to find one. It was 2016, and the most recent photograph they had was from 1999. In fact, the only items belonging to Margaret that were found at the house were a blue t-shirt, a tartan jumper, one pair of socks, and a toy penguin. An extensive search was underway, and yet no family was out looking for her. It seemed like everyone had forgotten she existed. Senior Investigating Officer Detective Superintendent Paul Livingstone led a team in trying to establish a living footprint of Margaret. The problem they soon faced was that none of Margaret's relatives or anyone but the couple claimed to have seen her since for almost 17 years. The last sighting had been on the 17th of December 1999, when Avril's brother Richard had them over to his new home in Inverkip. He remembered Margaret playing that day with his two children. The following week, however, at the family's Christmas celebration, Margaret wasn't with Edward and Avril, and there was no recollection of anyone asking why. Soon after this discovery, Margaret's disappearance moved up to a higher-risk missing persons case. After an extensive search by police divers, mounted officers the dog branch and a large number of on-the-ground and air searches. No sign of Margaret was found anywhere near the property. Neighbours were questioned, but no one was able to say they had actually even met or seen Margaret. Inverclyde is one of Scotland's 32 council areas. Situated in the west-central lowlands, Inverclyde is part of the county of Renfrewshire and is one of the smallest council areas in the country with around 80,000 residents. The Clyde is well known and part of the area's long history of shipbuilding and shipping docks. Outside of the main residential areas of Greenock and Port Glasgow, the small villages are quiet with crime being confined mostly to antisocial behaviour, theft and drug-related offences. But in 2018, a study showed that a steep rise in violent crimes and murder had occurred in Inverclyde, and despite local politicians praising the police's crime strategies, that police division would find that they had the highest murder rate in the UK per capita on their hands. 
In the year 2017 to 2018, County Renfrewshire had a murder rate of 4.3 per 100,000 people, and Inverclyde alone having 6.3 per 100,000. As a comparison during the same year, Manchester's rate was 2.8 per 100,000. But in the nine months to December 2018, as violent crimes continued to rise and with police stating a rise in violent offences were up 30% on the previous year, Inverclyde didn't see one new homicide. It was now Detective Superintendent Livingstone's objective to conduct what was called a proof-of-life investigation, establishing if Margaret was or had ever been a living person. Police made attempts to trace Margaret to any local authority in any health service. She had no bank information, no online presence and no services registered in her name. They found no match to any unidentified bodies in the UK system. At 36, Margaret Fleming did not have one friend. Luckily, police were able to trace her birth. When a blood sample from her birth was found by the NHS, something which is extremely rare. This gave the officers her DNA. The few items of Margaret's from the house were forensically tested, yet no trace of Margaret's DNA was found on anything, showing that even if they did belong to her, she had not come into contact with them for a very long time. They found no evidence that Margaret had been alive since the pre-Christmas 1999 sighting. The last time Margaret had seen a doctor was in October of 1999, two months before her last sighting. That doctor told police that Margaret had been referred to him as part of a team set up by a social worker soon after Margaret's father's death. Her mother had sought help for her behaviour, and the social worker had helped put a team of carers together as additional support. The relationship between Margaret and her mother was extremely strained. Margaret had seen a psychologist and was referred to a GP who had noticed her severe learning difficulties. He had also noted that she appeared both educationally and socially isolated. There was a question over whether a diagnosis of SOTA syndrome was appropriate for Margaret, but without regular visits, this was never established. Margaret had enrolled in a Skills for Life course in an attempt to build up her social skills, but it wasn't long before the relationship with her mother had all but entirely broken down. This is when Margaret went to live with Kearney and Jones permanently. The GP tried to follow up by visiting the property, but he was never able to make contact. The social worker took maternity leave, but according to her testimony later at trial, the case wasn't picked up by anyone else. Interviews with Avril Jones' family began to paint a picture. Soon after Margaret was an official missing person, Avril had told family members the same story that she had told police that Margaret had run off with a member of the travelling community. But there were discrepancies over the date when this had occurred. The only thing family were told by the couple was that Margaret wasn't missing. She was with friends. 
after taking over 1,000 witness statements, interviewing extended family, health workers, neighbours, bus drivers, taxi drivers, tradesmen, postmen and literally anyone who may have seen Margaret over a 20-year time span. Police had little doubt that there was no proof of life for Margaret Fleming since December 17, 1999. All the while, Margaret's disability benefits continued to be paid into Avril Jones' account. When another search of the property with sniffer dogs suggested that an area of garden indicated human decomposition, half an acre of land was excavated and painstakingly combed through over five months until the search was concluded with no results. Fragments of bone were discovered in the garden, but were so badly charred they could not be identified as human or animal. Despite no answers, Edward Kearney and Avril Jones became the only suspects in what police believe was the murder of Margaret Fleming between December 1999 and January 2000. The investigation continued. Floorboards were ripped up and the entire back wall was removed from the house so that the police were able to gain access into the otherwise jam-packed and, in their words, unfit-for-human-habitation home. A mobile lab was set up in the garden and thousands upon thousands of items were processed. Rooms were examined with luminol. Two scabs were found and although forensic investigators hoped they could trace the DNA to Margaret, it turned out the scabs belonged to Avril. 200 officers continued their involvement in what had been, by that stage, named Operation Hereford, many sifting through thousands of documents, files and notes, but nothing brought them any closer to locating Margaret alive or dead. Ten months into the investigation, a demolition order was served on the house, although the couple remained living there, in squalor with crumbling walls and ripped-up floors, boxes and debris. Where police had removed the back wall of the house, a torn tarpaulin was tied to the window frame. A year into the investigation, in October 2017, Margaret's carers spoke publicly for the first time in a televised interview with BBC Scotland's Suzanne Allen. If they truly believed that she had left of her own accord, there was no appeal for her to get in touch and no tears over her welfare or safety. Edward Kearney had said that Margaret had phoned him from London within a month of her leaving the property that day a year earlier. At times, he fumbled his words saying she had also been in Poland and that he had no idea how many other places she had been. She had begun hiring out agricultural labour in England's south, which he said made her a gang master. When Avril Jones was asked if she was worried about Margaret, or even if the couple were angry at her, she stated that they were not mad. They totally understood that Margaret was scared of authority. When asked what they would say to Margaret if she was watching the broadcast, Edward and Avril paused for a few seconds before Kearney said if Margaret was mixed up in this other business, as he put it, then they wouldn't want to know her. This time he wasn't referring to her being a gang master, 
This time he was referring to something new, that she was involved in the drugs trade. They claimed that she had originally left Inverkip in January 2000, shortly after her last sighting, and had gone off with a member of the travelling community to London, and only ever returning or contacting them when she needed money. The couple said again that Margaret had been back at the house the day police had come looking for her, but she fled out the back door when police had knocked. Kearney said that he had met up with her in London just days before this interview, along Charing Cross Road, and she had been in a nearby Starbucks. His story would change to include meeting her in person a few weeks after she disappeared as well. They had also apparently spoken to her on the phone, He said because the police had then taken the couple's phones, he wouldn't know if she had tried to reach out to them again. He believed she was operating under several aliases, and was adamant that if she had come to any harm, it could only have been in the previous couple of weeks. The claims made in this interview only bolstered the police's view that the pair were involved in Margaret's disappearance, possibly even her murder. They were unable to verify any of what they were saying, and if Margaret had been in Poland, she had to have done so without it being recorded at either end. The claims of meeting her in person meant an extensive pull of CCTV footage to prove or disprove the story. Kearney had claimed that he met with Margaret on Charing Cross Road, but CCTV would not reveal any such meeting. He was, however, captured on camera on Topman Court Road, walking to and from a bank. Police made a fresh plea for anyone who had known Margaret, even as a teen, to come forward, and they brought Edward Kearney and Avril Jones in for formal questioning. Part of Kearney's police interview went as follows. Officer, how would you describe Margaret Fleming? Kearney. No comment. Officer. There is a girl who lived with you for a number of years, and you don't even want to describe her. Kearney. No comment. Officer. Is there a reason you don't want to do that? Kearney. No comment. Officer. Could she still be alive? Kearney. No comment. Officer. Is Margaret Fleming dead? Kearney. No comment. Officer, Eddie, are you involved in her disappearance and murder? Kearney, no comment. Officer, did you murder Margaret Fleming? Kearney, no comment. Officer, I don't know if it's a nervous thing, but on such a crucial question, are you smirking? Kearney, how is that a crucial question? Behind the scenes, police had been reading detailed calendars and diaries that Avril Jones had kept over the years. It appeared that the last reference ever made in any of them was in January 2000, the month after Margaret's last confirmed sighting. Avril had kept a Christmas card book that detailed cards given and received. Margaret's name had featured in the book in 1997, the year she arrived and the last time her name was seen was 1999, the month of her last sighting. Police were also gathering crucial witness statements that had painted a picture of the years that Margaret was living with Edward and Avril. 
what had emerged was a household of neglect and abuse. Margaret's natural mother, also named Margaret, had been cooperating with authorities and had provided more context. She had not seen her daughter for around 19 years. Margaret Senior had explained that the months after the death of Margaret's father, she had not been able to cope with her daughter, her moods and physical outbursts had been the catalyst for Margaret Senior to seek help with a psychologist. At the funeral, Edward Kearney had introduced himself to her and she remembered his offer to help take care of Margaret, and that is how the situation evolved. She confirmed that prior to this she did not know Edward Kearney, and that was why, at first, she only let Margaret stay there for two weeks at a time. From that point on, the couple secluded themselves and Margaret from the outside world. In November 1997, shortly after Edward and Avril became Margaret's full-time carers, her mother received a call from Kearney to come out to the property. When she arrived and saw the state of the house, she became worried and said she wanted to take Margaret home with her. Edward flew into a rage, assaulted her, pushing her up against a cupboard and spitting in her face, saying he wanted her out of the house. At some point during the argument, Margaret was brought down from her attic bedroom and in front of her mother, she was asked where she wanted to live. Margaret said she wanted to stay at the house. Her mother left and after getting home contacted the police. According to her later court testimony, she received word back from authorities that they had checked on Margaret and she was okay. Margaret Senior then received a typed letter from her daughter saying she didn't want to see her anymore. And so she didn't, except for one time. She thought she might have seen her with Edward Kearney outside of a Morrison supermarket. Margaret Senior never saw her daughter again. The thing was that police believed the letter to her mother, purportedly written by Margaret in 1997, had not been written by Margaret at all. During the early investigation, Edward and Avril had produced letters they said had been sent by Margaret shortly after she left in 2000. The first was sent on January 9th, 2000 from Carlisle, just weeks after her last sighting, and the other two four days later from the Regent Palace Hotel in London. The problem was police had tracked down Margaret's old English teacher, from Port Glasgow High School. Jacqueline Cahill remembered both Margaret and her work well. When Jacqueline took a look at the letters, which were all typed, she didn't believe they were written by Margaret. The wording and much of the sentence structure was too sophisticated compared to Margaret's level of literacy. By this time, members of the Avril Jones family had spoken up on many occasions Things didn't seem right. The April before her last sighting, Avril's brother, who had been the person to see Margaret last, recalled that the day after his parents' ruby wedding anniversary, he and his family had driven out to visit. He said that Margaret could be seen in the attic bedroom window, obviously locked in. She was wailing and dragging her fingernails down the window, and he saw that she had cardboard tubes on her arms. 
They didn't go inside and left. When asked about the conditions Margaret was kept in, Kearney said he often had to lock her away or she would get out of control, and the cardboard tubes were an attempt to get her to stop self-harming. Detective Superintendent Livingstone said at the time, quote, When you're trying to prove she's alive and you can't, then she's got to be dead. We could back it up that they were the only two people that had the opportunity. It was Avril's brother and her mother's evidence that allowed the investigators to determine that sometime between December 17, 1999 and January 9, 2000, Edward Kearney and Avril Jones murdered Margaret Fleming. She had lived in her own private hell, locked up and abused, hidden from the world where no one was checking on her. She was denied food, her apparent carers cut her hair off, and she died, somehow, forgotten by everyone. On October 26, 2017, almost 18 years after she was last seen, Edward Kearney and Avril Jones were arrested. The problem facing the investigation was that there was no body, but detectives believed that they had enough evidence to convict. The following day, Kearney and Jones appeared at Greenock Sheriff Court where they were each charged with murder, abduction, assault, fraud, including claiming £182,000 in benefits and pretending Margaret was still alive, and attempts to defeat the ends of justice. At trial, Edward Kearney and Avril Jones pleaded not guilty to all charges. The Crown held them jointly responsible, and the jury would be told that the couple had literally thought they had got away with murder for over 16 years before the investigation, finally being brought down and exposed by greed, arrogance and lies. Three weeks in, it was announced that the trial was deserted. Judge Lord Matthew stated for the court, quote, I will desert the trial pro loco a tempore as a result of circumstances we can't proceed. It is highly unfortunate to all this has arisen. He gave no further explanation, but said that it was no fault of either the prosecution or defence counsel. Prosecutor Ian McSporran QC stated, I move for the trial to be deserted and for a fresh preliminary hearing and fresh trial to be set. I also think a brand new indictment. Six months later, in April of 2019, Edward Kearney, then 77, and Avril Jones, by this time 59, faced the High Court in Glasgow, once again on charges of assaulting and murdering Margaret, then fraudulently claiming her disability benefits while pretending she was still alive. Avril's mother and brother stood as two of the main witnesses for the prosecution, and more than one teacher of Margaret's from her school days testified that the letters apparently written by Margaret could not have been. It was said that at school, Margaret had struggled to put pen to paper. She struggled to read, and read at about the same level as an eight-year-old. 
neither believed that her literacy could have improved to the stage the letters were written, even in adult life. When family members took the stand, the jury heard that in 2017, the year after the search and investigation began, Avril Jones met up with her cousin and Avril simply said that the police were searching her house looking for someone, but made no indication it was Margaret. The same cousin had stayed over at Seacroft in 2006, but there was no sign of Margaret. Two of Avril's nieces had stayed at the house for over six months in 2007, and during that time there was no contact or visits from Margaret. Avril's brother, who had helped establish a solid timeline for the prosecution, said that Avril had told her that Margaret had gone to Cumbria. A friend was told by Avril during the investigation that she knew where Margaret was, and she had told the police, but the police had never followed it up. She also told this friend that Margaret would, quote, return to collect her benefit money, and she was safe and had more than enough money to look after herself. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The jury took around three hours over two days to reach their majority verdict. They found Edward Kearney and Avril Jones guilty of murdering Margaret Fleming within three weeks of December 17, 1999, by unknown means at their home or elsewhere in Scotland, and guilty of trying to cover it up for almost 18 years. 
Avril Jones was convicted unanimously of fraudulently claiming £182,000 in benefits by pretending that Margaret was alive. Inverclyde counsel had been asked by the court not to carry out an investigation into what had gone wrong with Margaret's care and benefits before the trial concluded. Soon they made a public statement. Quote, Inverclyde's multi-agency public protection committees will now work with all the organisations involved in Margaret's case on a full detailed examination of the events leading up to her tragic death. On the 17th of July 2019, at the High Court in Glasgow, Lord Matthews sentenced Edward Kearney and Avril Jones. Part of Lord Matthews' lengthy remarks are stated here in an edited version. Edward Kearney and Avril Jones, you were convicted after trial of the murder of Margaret Fleming between the 18th of December 1999 and the 5th of January 2000. Precisely how that was accomplished and in what circumstances was not disclosed in the evidence, and only you two know the truth. Furthermore, only you know where her remains are. Margaret Fleming was a vulnerable young woman with evident difficulties. She was in your care, and you breached the trust placed in you. The manner in which you described her when you spoke about her was cruel, and the fantastic web of deceit you spun was callous and calculating. As you know, in respect of the charge of murder, there is only one sentence which I can impose namely imprisonment for life. In the end, I have decided that it would be unfair to differentiate between you. That means that in your case, Avril Jones, I am not increasing the punishment part to reflect your guilt of the charge of fraud, although it will be marked by a concurrent sentence. As far as the murder charge is concerned, I have borne in mind that the circumstances of the offence remain unknown, and bearing in mind certain authority from the appeal court, it is not open to me to speculate and to assume the worst. In each case, I sentence you both to life imprisonment with a non-parole period of 14 years. I'm Catherine Kelly, host of Crime and Investigation's true crime TV series, Murder Town. Join me next Monday at 9pm as we visit Nuneaton, where teenager Naomi Smith was found mutilated and sexually assaulted in a playground. For more information on the series, head to crimeandinvestigation.co.uk and let us know your thoughts by searching for Crime and Investigation on social media or using hashtag MurderTown. The MurderTown podcast is hosted by Benjamin Fitton. Researched and written by Anna Priestland and edited and produced by Chloe Frost. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. 
Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.